Hello, this is Property Matters, a weekly catch-up on all matters property, supported by Fairview International Property Consultancy and auctionproperty.co.uk. And we're live every Sunday from 10am on YouTube, Facebook, and on our website, propertymatterstv.co.uk. And if you're watching on our website, we'd love it if you'd hit that Google review button and leave us a nice review on the homepage. Uh, please get involved with adding your comments in the comments section below. And if you'd like to uh, email us, the address is hello at propertymatterstv.co.uk. Property Matters is also available as a podcast every Monday at 10 o'clock, exactly 24 hours later, on all of the platforms that you can see over on the side of the screen there now. It'll be available at 10 o'clock from tomorrow. And we're now live on Dealsert Radio as well, which is great to hear. So let's uh, have a word with our property expert this week and see what we've got in the news. Uh, hello, Joe Joshi. Yes, good morning. Good morning, everybody. And uh, hello and welcome to Property Matters. Um, of course, uh, there's lots going on, isn't it, um, this week? I see what you did there because we're talking about what the Chancellor did or didn't do in the budget. And of course, the fact of the matter is that in the budget this week, the Chancellor largely ignored property. Uh, with all of the opportunities that there were there to think about planning, first-time buyers, downsizers, renters, landlords, there was infinite opportunity to do something to try and help the property economy, uh, which as we have worked out before in the past with um, the lockdown, that you know you get the property guys working, you get the whole world, the world turning, get the cogs turning, and and that's exactly what we were hoping for in the budget. But there was absolutely no mention of property. We had some new incentive areas for business growth in the northeast and the, north and the northwest, uh, but nothing really much to speak of in terms of property. And that's a real shame because there was a lot of opportunity for uh, people to, um, you know, or for the chancellor to get on his feet and say, look, you know, we really need to help these kinds of people. And the sort of people that they're talking about, Joe, is, well, how about the downsizers? Now, there's two types of downsizer, obviously. We've got the older person who's got a big house and they want to downsize but at the moment the uh, tax regime particularly on stamp duty on buying a new one is very very uh, dissuading to 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 to, to, to get somebody to actually downsize and similarly there's going to be a ticking time bomb with those that are looking to remortgage this year and may not be able to afford to downsize because of the new rates and therefore they're going to have to literally um, relieve themselves of the property so it's it's quite an interesting and challenging time, but he seemed to have largely ignored all the challenges. I'm not really surprised, <clears throat> in all honesty, Paul, that he's uh, ignored it. And it's a tactical move as far as I'm concerned. Um, property has uh, been um, the, the subject of the day for the last probably two to three years, certainly through COVID. Um, the the Johnson, Johnson uh, regime uh, used property as the the vehicle to make sure that uh, the wheels uh, continue to turn and as, as we normally say and and that has come to a little bit of a halt and there's a reason in my opinion why that's come to a halt and that's because there are so many other areas that need to be addressed so and they're saving the best to last um, what they're going to do is probably come the uh, uh, budgets Prior to the election 24, we will start to see some noises made of all the categories and all the subjects that are on the wish list for the property market, because it is those things that will probably uh, can 
and get the confidence of the uh, the voters and what the market will do going forward. So I'm not um, very surprised that he's not put the property market on the on the shopping list in this current budget. Um, and having had a huge number of uh, people that are uh, striking and wanting more money, he's obviously looking and being protective that he doesn't want to add other areas and then continue to uh, inflate the values and the property worth when they're trying to bring the inflation figures down. So it is a bit of a balanced and yet boring budget that has turned up, but it's a budget that is given the current regime some sort of you know, steady-as-you-go ship, um, sleepy but steady um, is where they are, are, are going. And if we'd if you'd actually done all the things that we have on the wish list for property, then I think what would have happened is the property market would have kind of shot forward and it would have still left other areas behind. And it's just trying to balance those situations um, in order to keep that going. I think you'll be surprised that we will have most of these items on the shopping list uh, in later budgets, uh, certainly um, coming you know, closer to Christmas or or the budget at the end of the year. Um, by then, I think that we're looking to have the uh, um, inflation figures down sufficiently and perhaps seeing some sort of downturn towards the, the interest rates, the long-term fixed rates that might be available for borrowers. And, and, and those are the issues. Now, if we'd actually continue to give us what we needed, then the house prices would have perhaps continued because people would like to buy their own home. And that difference between what they could borrow and what they could actually own would have become wider. So I think I think it's a calculated um, budget, not that I'm a chancellor and not that I would know anything about these things, but that's just my, my humble view in terms of what I think they are thinking. There wasn't a lot of uh, a focus on spending money. There was more on trying to get money out of us to pay back the, the debts that they've already got, I suspect. And um, But looking at uh, the... There is a cycle here, isn't there? Because if you think about the fact that we, you know, we need to build more homes, so we needed incentives for house builders to get more homes. That's exacerbated by the fact that landlords are finding they can't make a profit on supplying rental stock, and therefore they're selling the properties, which is making it harder for people to find properties to rent, which is mean that the rents are spiring. Um, you've got people sat in great big properties all on their own. They can't afford to downsize because the taxation on them is is, is crippling. Um, and you've got first-time buyers whose houses are getting further or potential houses are getting further and further away from them because they can't afford the deposit and they can't afford the mortgage payments. And you've got people who are looking to remortgage who are, uh, who are now coming up for their annual sort of five-year review on their fixed rate and they're looking like they may have to sell their property. I mean, the whole thing is broken. And you add into that, again, there's been absolutely no movement on the planning reforms um, he did refer to uh, Michael Gove, his um, secretary for levelling up. Did he call him impressive or something like that? It was a really odd adjective he used to describe him in the speech. I remember reading it. and um, But he talked about the fact that they'd already given out all this money to these different areas to level up around the country and that these things were not happening in the southeast; they were happening elsewhere. But he didn't actually talk about trying to level up anything to do with the fact that there's such an imbalance between the value of properties in the north and the south. So that, and for most people, that's surely levelling up, isn't it? Yes, I, I get the levelling up part of it, Paul. And I, I think you're right in, in of course, um, 
Jeremy Hunt may have used some um, pleasant words for Michael Gove, but the reality is that um, um, there was so much and there has been so much going on that we know, I know historically that they, uh, they use the property market and certainly uh, interest rates, stamp duty and property market in general as the ping pong of when they want to turn a tap on and turn the tap off. And at the moment, they've got the tap off for that particular sector, primarily, as you rightly say, trying to get some money back in from uh, our taxpayers, trying to reduce outgoings as much as they can, because obviously they had, you know, ex absolutely exorbitant funds went out in the pandemic. Um, and, you know, we do forget that there was a hell of a lot of money that just flushed out, however, whatever, and why it did, we will never always understand. But the fact is that it did. Um, and um, obviously they got they got to make up for that. Now, you know, I, we're, we're property matters, I'm in property and nothing will please me more than to continue to see the property aspect of it being positive and, and all of these houses continue to build, um, renters being able to rent and, and, and buy to let continue to go as all of those will be perfect. I mean, you know, I, I'm not changing my view as to why I shouldn't have that on that on that list. What I am trying to say is that what they've done or what they're trying to do is just put a little bit of a, a break on that particular sector because that sector does run away much quicker. The reason it runs away much quicker is most people feel that it's the safest form of investment. They want to have their own home, be it through rental or be it through purchase or mortgage. Um, and if there was a way and that market was strong enough, they will rush for that every single time. So for example, people wanted to have things like um, the help to buy scheme to be continued. I would love the help to buy scheme to be continued because obviously it generated good sales. Um, but they will want to, and they may bring that back as the last minute um, to reprieve that market and to help them achieve the goals that they want to do in the election, which is going to be set in 2024. Um, so these next eight, sort of 15, 18 months is quite crucial for them. And they will use us as the pawn. And I think that's what they are using. They're using the property market as the pawn in this game of chess to make sure that they make the right move when the right, right situation happens. Um, and so whilst people can't downsize um, and, and you know, people are living in, in big homes and the costs are high, in the grand scheme, they've been doing that for many years. Another year, 18 months is probably not going to create a huge problem, but it would for the government. And that's what we have to understand. We've got to get under the skin of this, this government that they're trying to come back in for another five years. So they want us to be seen to be doing good things against the, the red team on the other side. We have some research here that shows what people were after or expecting or praying for maybe from the government in the budget uh, continue the mortgage guarantee scheme past december 2023 that was 30 percent of people 28 percent wanted uh, increases in funding to help first-time buyers with new initiatives um, with down payments and closing costs on that uh, increased funding for affordable housing initiatives and programs 28 percent restarting as you mentioned the help to buy 28 percent increasing funding for construction of new housing developments uh, to increase housing supply and decrease costs and implement rent controls uh, rent control measures to stabilize rental prices 23 percent 
What's interesting is that almost six in 10 homeowners, 58%, says new research, are unlikely to move or sell again within the next five years. This is according to Smoove. Um, their research showing that economic challenges seem to be the principal cause for people's hesitance to move again. The rising cost of living, 32% said that's why they're not going to move. High mortgage rates, 28%, and stretching housing affordability, 11%, are cited as the main setbacks. These factors have caused a lending crunch for homeowners as the average mortgage value has dropped from 221000 to 175000 on average over the past six months. According to Smooth's data, the number of home buying purchases falling through remains at 35% of transactions up from 34% last year. So actually, the ones falling through are at roughly the same level as they've always been. But um, people are saying, well, do you know what, I'm going to sit this one out, aren't they? Well, that's exactly what they're going to have to do, and that's what they're doing, is they're going to sit this, sit this out, they're going to sit tight until the opportunity comes along. And five years, um, on the average, is a time between uh, moves. Um, it is stated, I think, it's between five and seven years that people tend to move. Some people will never move once they get to their pinnacle property, but others will continue to move to get to the pinnacle property. Um, so, yes, there is, it is going to be... Uh, a slow burner for the time being, but I don't think it's going to be that slow for that long, Paul. I I I, I believe that uh, you know, come the end of twenty three, beginning of twenty four, we will start to see um, some positive shoots in the in the property market. And at the moment, they're just using us as a pawn to slow things down, um, primarily because they need it to be slowed down for other situations to catch up. They're saying that although house price growth is expected to slow down in 2023, some UK households remain optimistic. Over a third of homeowners, 39%, believe house price growth will increase in the next three months, rising to 43% of homeowners over the next six months and 51%, more than half, that think that in the next 12 months they'll have an increase in their house by an average of about 4.5%. So people are still quite positive about the situation, but actually, in reality... Um, they're still trying to sell quickly because they want to sell at the top of the market. Well, yeah, and the top of the, the, top of the market um, is what we get used to, is the old, old adage is that getting to the top is, is uh, easy, but staying there is, is the hardest thing. And here, here we have the same scenario in, in values. You've got there, you've got a, a property that's worth now, you know, what you believe is, is good money, and you don't really want to sell it short. You don't want to sell it less. But if the economic situations as such with mortgage lending, finance and, and demise, supply and demand comes, then of course house prices will have to adjust. And right now we're going through what I call an adjustment. It's, it is a correction in the marketplace because those house prices uh, increased quite vastly over the pandemic because that was the focus of people. You know, supply and demand was there. Demand was really high, supply became limited. And now um, it is the, the other side. It is a, a buyer's market. There's probably more properties available, but people want to only sell for the best money. So if they don't sell, they'll end up staying. But, and, and that's what's happening <laughs> generally in the marketplace that we're seeing. Uh, people don't want to reduce the prices, but it's not the case of whether they want to or not. You know, if they've got to sell, they've got to adjust their prices and be realistic in order to try and sell the property that they want to sell. Otherwise, it is better for them to stay put. So whilst there's more, more availability of stock, 
it's a expensive stock because obviously they want the best money. And out of that expensive stock, you can weed out very, very few deals that where somebody needs to sell or has a reason to sell who will reduce their price in order to accommodate that buyer. On top of that, all of the lenders <laughs> are now <clears throat> taking an average of 10% or their values are off the, off the top line. So if something is worth £100,000, they're saying immediately it's, it's £91,000. 10%, uh, sorry, it's, it's £90,000. is because they've taken 10% off um, just for uh, safety measures uh, rather than anything else. In the event it drops any further or they have to have a repossession or anything happens, they need to know that they haven't actually priced it out at the top money. So they take off a further 10% as a given. So all values, all surveyors have probably been given instructions by their clients that if you're valuing something, you need to allow for a 10% margin. So even, even if you didn't want to drop your house price in the marketplace, the valuer will help you drop that house price because they're going to value it 10% less. And of course, if you're looking at our 90% mortgage, then you are you know, 10% less in borrowing. And the only way that it's going to be adjusted, either the house price comes up or you put your more deposit in. The chances are most people haven't got any more deposit, so it's going to have to come off the price. I did save the uh, piece of uh, text from the speech, actually, I knew I had. Working together with our formidable levelling up secretary, I also want to give yeah. further support to levelling up areas under the E of everywhere. First, I'll invest over 200 million in high quality local regeneration projects across England, including re re regeneration of Tipton Town Centre and Marsden New Mills redevelopment scheme was one of the things he mentioned. Um, and he also talked about, interestingly, Canary Wharf and Liverpool Docks, which were outstanding regeneration projects. And he paid tribute to Lord Hesselton for making them happen because they transform the lives of thousands of people and show what's possible when entrepreneurs, government and local communities come together. Surely he's not claiming those as part of the levelling up. I mean, they've been there for years. No, but what he is claiming is that it's the good governance of the quality of MPs that are entrepreneurial that have historically given guidance to such changes. And of course, he's, he's brushing up that under his uh, stewardship that people like Gove, the formidable um, levelling up minister, are people like Heseltine. Now, Heseltine and Gove, are you can't get them too far apart from each other if you, if you tried. Heseltine is a businessman and, and has, has his own to stand on. And Gove probably hasn't you know done any business at all um and so therefore there are two cross sections of people i don't believe that gove sometimes actually comes to the table knowing that there's he's actually had the pain you know i the old old adage we have is that you've got to have skin in the game and i don't think he's had any skin in the game whereas people like heseltine have at least had skin in the game and he were you know industrious in in, in the sense that they were business people so, but what uh, uh, Jeremy Hunt is trying to do, obviously, in this situation is just sort of bring all that under the umbrella of conservatism and say, this is what happens when business people and good governance comes together. Um, and, and so he wants to do something similar going forward. 
Some interesting reactions in the professional property uh, community. Uh, an innovative chancellor would have set out reforms that place as much emphasis on later living as first-time buyers. It was unrealistic to expect a stamp duty holiday in the current economic climate, but Jeremy Hunt could or should have um, considered stamp duty reform. In its current guise, it's a break to the whole market uh, in which the long-term costs the Treasury more. Uh, if there's no fluidity, people stay in the family homes that are too big and unsuitable for them. Unsuitable housing leads in turn to more pressure on a stretched NHS compared to a preemptive move to a property that can adapt as people age. And yet more housing is needed for first-time buyers at a time when there's already a serious deficit. In contrast, there's a desperate need to increase the provision of age-specific housing in the UK, but the sector has been largely ignored by successive chancellors. There is little time to waste. The groundwork must start now if we're to see any benefit in the next few years. You can't really disagree with any of that, can you? No, no, I'm not disagreeing with any of that uh, at all. I mean, those are the foundations. That is where we are with that part of it. But what I am saying is that they have got a different stance at this moment in time because they want to use all of the things that we want in our shopping list, our wish list, as the reason why the market will have a change at the end of the year, beginning of next year, in time for what will be their election. And so they want positivity. So at the moment, they can afford to take, you know, these criticisms of, of not doing anything for the housing market or anything with the, for the property market. Their claim will be, we've done so much with the housing market and we need to do so much with other aspects of the UK's um, uh, requirements. Um, and then later on, they will come back. And I'm pretty certain that come the end of the year uh, budget or beginning of next year or the, or the autumn budget next year, uh, prior to the elections that would be coming, will be a positive one. On the other hand, they will also have to balance that if they are not successful uh, by uh, in comparison to the, the Labour, the red team, then what's going to happen is that um, they'll be very cautious to show their colours as to what they will do if they are successful in coming back again. So let's just look at the um, government's green credentials as far as the budget's concerned, because obviously we're getting closer to 2025, closer to 2028, when landlords are supposed to have an EPC certificate of C rating or above on properties. We're all being encouraged to put in low carbon heating and retrofit all this green credentials material uh, at extortionate cost by from what, from what I'm hearing from, from, from local professionals who are installing this stuff. And then when people get it, it's not fit for purpose or it's not what they thought it was going to be. I'm talking particularly about these heat pumps. So a lot of people are paying thousands and thousands of pounds to have them put in. And then all they do is they bring the ambient temperature around the rest of the house to wherever it's taking its um, temperature reading from, broadly speaking. I'm probably not describing that particularly accurately from an engineering point of view. But what people are expecting is that it'll turn on and instantly heat like your radiators do. But in reality, they're having to turn these heat pumps on 24 hours beforehand to get the heat they want a day later. And in many cases, plumbers are telling me they're taking out as many as they're, st they're installing. They sound like in the old days, we used to have night storage heaters. Um, and the idea behind those night storage was that when the cheap electricity was available overnight, it, it stored all this fantastic heat and was supposed to disperse it uh, evenly throughout the day 
and then and freeze you when you got home because by then it had dispersed everything and then it was going to go onto the cheap nightly storage costing again and you know I, i'm sure you've had experience of clearing out these slabs of uh, uh i don't know whatever they had inside these heaters they were just absolutely horrible massive ugly looking things um and they never came to and this is a, a bit of a repeat of that in a funny sort of way these heat pumps that are supposed to be doing these fantastic jobs and really they are as rubbish as that and people go back and are drawn back to gas center heating with radiators primarily because they want the instant heat they want to be able to go in switch it on and within xyz period the place starts to get warm um, I think they're gimmicky in the in the sense that they are, and from a green credential point of view, for the government and for and for people that want to do. First of all, it's a very expensive exercise. Secondly, it's proven, as you can see from the comments, that it's not very popular. You know, and thirdly, it's not as economical as they think there is. Even though we've got to get to um, EPCC grading by 2028, uh, 2025, 2028 time the reality is that you know none of these things that they are asking us to do as green credential are actually gonna be fair and square most people don't want them they're not they're not going to install them i think where they are looking at um epcc levels are probably windows you know double glazing and triple glazing will help those people a bit better in order to preserve the heating within the property and other things like insulation and so forth would help but I can't imagine that these heat pumps are going to be particularly popular going forward. No, I'm seeing a lot of places, certainly around here, where people are putting on additional um, uh, insulation on the outside of the house as well, and then uh, putting a render over the top of that to, to try and protect. And obviously, with a few bulls being as high as they've been, a lot of people have been looking at that for some time. But the government's got a target of reducing domestic energy, let's not forget, by 15% by 2030, which is ambitious, and there's been absolutely no uh, incentive to try and help on that. I mean, for example, someone suggested uh, introducing zero-rate VAT on building repair on period properties to encourage essential maintenance and that would be well received so you know incentives to try and get people to bring older properties up to standard that would have been something that would have been easy to have done and one wonders what the size of the bill would have been i wouldn't have thought it would have been that big in the grand scheme of things would you yeah you'd be surprised uh, paul in terms of uh, how expensive it really is it's it's uh, actually uh, no matter how many incentives the government, I think, brings forward or how many schemes they bring forward, uh, whether it's no tax or no VAT or no nothing, the fact is most people don't have sufficient um, disposable income at this moment in time to think about uh, going green or making their house extra um, uh, green credentials, even getting EPC um, C level, because it is just just the danger of putting food on the table rather than putting some extra coating on the walls that may or may not in the long term uh, bring the cost of living down the cost of electric the gas and the heating and etc down so i think um, it's just the timing is wrong for all of the extra things that we would like to really see on being realistic i think people are just saying well you know if we can cover our mortgage or our rates or our rent you know that's good enough for us for the time being and and if we have to live with what we've got to live with we have they 
people's agenda is not what the government's agenda is. The government's agenda is much bigger because they like all these uh, things to happen in an ideal world. And the person that is living in the home is thinking, well, actually, I just want to be able to, you know, have a, a night's sleep, not worry about the bills, not worry about the, the costs and not worry about this and not worry about that. So I think the reality is much different to what we would like to see. There's a new report that says, Joe, that the over 65s are bearing the brunt of the energy crisis, in some cases having to pay £611 more per year on bills than under 30s. This is due to the increased likelihood of them owning a house for a much longer stretch of time and therefore without the impetus, or in some cases the funding, to renovate uh, to become more efficient. So that's an interesting thing. So over 65s are in bigger properties generally. They haven't done much to bring them up to standard in terms of energy efficiency. So they're paying a lot more money than maybe a young couple who've moved into a relatively new rental property which is fully insulated and so there seems to be a disparity in terms of energy costs for the older people which is crazy well yes it is and no it isn't uh, yes it is crazy of course it's crazy and no it isn't crazy because at the end of the day they've they've had enough time the older generation to you know get their house into uh, a house into order uh, have, uh, you know, um, economic uh, things built in, double glazing, having some sort of installations put in. But it chose not to. I mean, you can't start now at this late life and say, oh, well, actually, we're hard done by. You've owned it for 25, 30 years and you haven't bothered to do it. Then the younger generation are at a stage where they're buying or renting modern new properties that have had to be brought up to those particular standards. And so subsequently their heating bills are going to be less, but they're still high for young people because obviously they're not earning as much and they haven't gone through that since. You know, there's always going to be someone somewhere who's going to say it's not, I can say the same. I'm sure you can too. We're both people of that sort of time and uh, ilk in life. But the reality is we've been doing other things in our life, for example, bringing up children and all the other things that come as part of family life. And then therefore the home may not have taken that priority at that time, because what do you do? Do you feed the kids and get them to school? Or do you, you know, paint it with the next supersonic, you know, watertight thing outside your house that's going to help you save the electric bill? It's not been a priority. Whereas the modern buildings that have been built are coming with that in, in mind. And that's why the younger generation maybe are benefiting and the older generation are going to suffer for it. But wouldn't it be good to incentivise those older people to move out of those bigger properties into into smaller properties where their bills would come down and then the, the families that are growing with the income to maybe take a mortgage on on a bigger property and then would fill the property, they may have uh, additional funding or may have to attract additional funding because they can get the mortgage at that age in their life. They could then do the changes to the property and, and help that property on its way to serving a next generation. It just seems to me that everybody wants everything to to, to stand still um, because it's just easier. And, and the same thing goes for the first time buyers. A lot of these professionals here saying that, you know, they cannot believe that they've done nothing to to help first time buyers. Uh, all they've done is kick the can to the end of the road. And they genuinely believe that that could cost them the next election. I don't think it's going to cost them the next election. First time buyers won't cost them the next election. There are many other things that will cost them the, uh, the next election. But this situation of people downsizing poor is just a historical no, no. People that have lived in big houses and have aspired to get there 
nothing but a nightmare. You, you try and tell them to come down and, and small sizes and it is just not going to happen. They, I, I've been to many homes where, you know, <laughs> either the, um, the person, the male is now left on their own or the female is left on their own, but they have an acre of garden, they have a massive great house, they lived in one ninth of the size of the house that they've got, but ask them will they downsize and they'll tell you the emotion says I've got this room that belongs to you know Freddie and this one that belongs to Susan and this one has this one and before you know it by the time you finish with that person to have a conversation about moving you're almost sold to the emotion that you know what you might as well stay because I know you're gonna upset yourself so much if got Freddie's room had to be redecorated and and started again or got a smaller room. In fact, the Freddy is probably now 40, 50 years old and gone, and the, high, the <laughs> chances of him coming back is less likely to be being struck than lightning. But the fact that is the mindset that you have to deal with people. And so they then convince themselves to say, well, actually, I just don't want to move from here. I just have to do. On the other side, the flip coin of that is that they'll sit there and say, the bills are too high, the government doesn't help me you know, and uh, uh, the pension's not enough, this is not that. So never the twain shall meet. It's not because of the, the right direction and the, and the advice. It's just, how do you get to the matters of the heart? You can't. The, the heart says, I don't want to sell, I don't want to move. But the, the, the pocket says, you can't afford to stay. <laughs> so they'll moan. They'll moan and say, oh, we're not being helped by this. Um, but really, they're not helping themselves in the first place. Last point on the... Yeah, I can assure you do. I'm sure you do. Um, last point on the budget, and then we're going to have to wrap up for today because we've we've talked about. There's been a fascinating conversation around all the things that could have been done and should have been done, maybe. But the last point is around on 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 new builds and um, all these housing targets that have been set over the years and and you know commonly missed all of the time. Um, they are only advisory. There is a thought that maybe actually you know they should make them. For local authorities mandatory the targets they agree them and then if they don't deliver them there's some kind of um, punishment for failure what do you think about that i think um you don't need to punish the local authorities they punish themselves quite heavily because they they abuse and spend the money that they have in perhaps things that they shouldn't buy and do because they want to be entrepreneurial with them the taxpayers money um, and secondly, um, they, they can't deal with what they've got, let alone give them more hassle. And, and this devolution of, oh, let the local authorities run their own lives means that normally they go and waste the, the money and then go back to the main government and say, well, we're broke. And I mean, number of councils that are, uh, are broke at this moment in time or in a receivership or bankruptcy, uh, when you think, why should a council of all the people be in bankruptcy at all because it's you know it's using taxpayers' money, the government's money, etc., to run those. That, but yes, they are. So I, I don't think that uh, they are capable of uh, uh, running the the situation with housing. The housing targets, though they are are just uh, advisory and guide uh, and set for guidance. There is a huge issue behind all of that, and that is other policies like planning policies. Um, and neighborhoods. Now, you know, there are areas where people could build, but if you were living as a neighbor in your nice farm property in that area, and then somebody said, by the way, we're going to put, you know, 60 to 100 
properties next door to you, you and your other neighbours will probably be the first up in arms saying, we don't want these houses here. Well, actually, where are we going to put these houses? And that is a huge problem that generally planning has because they've got to balance this situation of green and comfort and over overbuilding or underbuilding in some cases, ruining the green belt. I mean, it, the list goes on. And that's why it takes forever to take any site to, to planning and get any results. Well, the average timescale call for a planning is now nearly two years for a big size project. You might be lucky and get some indication in eight weeks, but right now, because there's so much shortage of staff in these plannings and in all the local authorities, because it's all been done by people working from home or somewhere else or remote working of some sort, you don't get any answers. And they just turn around and say, well, we missed that target. We need to extend it. So the man who's bought a piece of land who thinks, right, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to make, build, build 30 properties, you know, the chances of that happening probably by their following birthday is, you know, lesser than perhaps than winning the lottery. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, there's, a, there's a whole system behind the system that actually is broken. Um, and we don't, you know, the, the layman, the public don't understand that. They just see why are they doing it. But unfortunately, there's a whole barrage of questions behind that doesn't get answered for, for years. Um, and that's where the delay comes. So it doesn't matter how many targets they set themselves or somebody advises them to have, those targets will never be achieved because there's a whole bunch of people in the back system that just don't get, you know, get out and do the work they're supposed to do. Well, according to the think tank Centre for Cities, at the current rate, if we build 300,000 a year, which we're not getting anywhere near, if we build 300,000 a year, it'll take us 50 years to catch up with demand at the current rate. So that's pretty sobering. With 20 housing ministers since 2010, so in 13 years we've had 20 housing ministers and a lack of continuity and foresight over the period, the consequences in, ac in, in action are now really biting and it will only get worse until the issue is addressed. We need to build more homes and reverse the tax treatment of landlords on buy-to-let properties and we need to do it fast and we need to do it soon. Interesting words and probably something sobering to finish up on. Last final closing thoughts, Joe, on that? Well, I think uh, I think those those are all, all the right things that people want and I think we'll see them. We just didn't see them in this current circumstances um, because I've stated my view that they've got other other agendas on there and um, I think we will see some of those. Um, they are, they're, they're all pocket in their pocket for uh, what they believe could be winning formulas when the time is right. So, fingers crossed, Next, uh, by the end of the year, we will start to see uh, the market and the housing market um, back in shape. Well, if it's all right with you, Joe, I'll not hold my breath. And on that note, we'll end for this week. We'll see you again next time on Property Matters. <laughs>